Praise the Lord. We welcome you at our live broadcast today, August 8, 2021. Let me say something before we pray. No matter what you are passing through today, no matter your circumstances, no matter your pains, in whatever it is, always remember that the children of God will always have issues that Father God will allow. When the enemy throws curveballs, sometimes he allows it because he wants to test our obedience. He wants to see who we will turn to. Will we go back to the world like Demas? Or are we going to say we maintain our faith? When the devil threw curveballs at Job, he endured the ridicule of everybody, including his own family. But in the end, he was vindicated. Job is a very popular example, but almost all the saints in the Bible had issues. Brother Paul, Peter, every one of them they all had problems. Some were killed. But before then, look at Brother Paul. He had shipwrecks. He had so many times beaten other types. Think about that. Yeah, this is somebody that God more or less speaks to. So when you have issues, when problems arise, when the storms are dark, when the rains are falling so much, look to the heavens. Look to the hills. Because your Redeemer lives. Place your trust in him. And when you do, remember he is there. He is Father God. He knows everything. But he will allow sometimes these cowboys to come our ways. To see whether we stay fast or whether we fall away. When that time comes, put your trust in him. And invite your Savior, my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And say, Lord, help me to weather this storm. Take me ashore like the way you took your disciples ashore when this, the storm was raging in the seas. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you for today. We bless your name because you are God. You are our Father and our God. Help us, Lord, to be steadfast. Help your children, no matter wherever they are, their circumstances and situations, Lord. Help them, Lord, to focus on you, your son, Jesus. To look unto him who died for us and resurrected for our justification. Because therein lies our salvation. Therein lies our help. Therein lies our hope. Bless all who hear today. Help them to understand as we enter this new series, Lord. That they may know that they are not alone. Bless their homes. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon everyone. And Father, we say, intervene in every situation and encourage your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our instrumental is taken again from our brother Caleb Brassi. May the Lord continue to bless him and his family. We are starting a new series, The Clash of the Kingdoms. This series outlines John announces the advent of the kingdom of heaven. Two, 
the Messiah begins his mission. Three, agents of the kingdom of darkness oppose the new kingdom. Of course, conspiracy. But the kingdom of God matches on. Praise the Lord. Today's topic, John announces the advent of the kingdom of heaven. The outline, Judea, Palestine, whatever you want to call it, at the beginning of the first century. That's before the battle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two, John the Baptist's announcement creates confusion. Three, the kingdom of darkness reacts. Four, the Lord puts events in context. Five, explanation of Matthew chapter 11 verse 12. Judea at the beginning of the first century. At the beginning of the first century, before the Lord's birth, Jews of all persuasions were waiting for the promised Messiah. The one who would restore the worldly kingdom of Israel. Note that. They are waiting for a king that will restore the worldly kingdom of Israel. They were not prepared for a heavenly kingdom. But the Romans were in charge. The Jewish ruling council was called a Sahendrin. It managed the affairs of Israel, but under the suzerainty or the rule of the Roman Empire. That means the Romans were ruling, but they ceded some authority to the Sahendrin. The council comprised 70 members, made up of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, both were religious sects within Judaism. But the Pharisees were a minority in the Sahedrin. The Sadducees were more of politicians than religious leaders. They believed only in this world, as you see from scriptures as we go on in this series. Please note that not all the priests in the Sahedrin were Sadducees, even though they had a majority. Others were Pharisees. The Pharisees, though a minority, controlled the decision-making of the Sahedrin because they were more popular with the masses. That's the general population. Remember, majority of the people are not part of the Sahendrin or the ruling council or anything. The poor people, the general people in the population, the Pharisees were close to them. So they used that to minority have power more over the majority. The Pharisees were known for their emphasis on personal piety. The word Pharisee really comes from the Hebrew word which means separated. Though they accepted the written word, which was the Old Testament, as we call it today, as inspired by God, they still added some things which they taught and matched both tradition and written word. There were two schools of thought among the Pharisees based on the teachings of two rabbis, Shammai and Hillel. Shammai called for a strict, unbending interpretation of the law on almost every issue. But Hillel taught a loser, more liberal application. Those who followed Shammai had hatred for anything Roman, 
including taxation. So you now understand why they hated tax collectors. The Shemites wanted to outlaw all communication and commerce between Jews and Gentiles. They were not, they were not compromising at all. But the Hillelites took a more gracious approach and opposed such extreme exclusiveness. Eventually, these two schools within Pharisaism grew so hostile to each other that they refused to worship together anymore. They had a third group, the Saints. From Wikipedia, I want to read directly from Wikipedia. What Josephus, who was a historian of that century, wrote. He says, the Saints existed in large numbers. And thousands lived throughout Judea, but they were fewer in number than the Pharisees and Sadducees. So they were the third set at this period. The saints lived in various cities, but congregated in communal life dedicated to voluntary poverty, daily immersion, asceticism, that's, and their priestly class were celibate. Most scholars claim that they seceded from the Zadokite priests. Just read it from Wikipedia. Then you had a fourth group or groups. These were revolutionary groups. They refused to pay taxes to the emperor. So you may understand now when eventually they asked the Lord Jesus Christ, do you subscribe to paying taxes to Caesar or not? See, they wanted to identify with the revolutionary group. Anyway, let's continue. And they continue to fight the Roman occupation. Lastly, of course, you have the majority of the people, the masses, who are waiting to be led, who are waiting to be convinced one way or the other. Beliefs, divisions, notwithstanding, all these groups and sects were waiting for the promised Messiah, the one who will come to end the Roman occupation and restore the worldly kingdom of Israel. All five groups were waiting for the Messiah to restore the worldly kingdom of Israel. Let's go to number two. John the Baptist's announcement creates confusion. Scripture, please. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouted in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Verse 7. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Praise the Lord. In the midst of these expectations comes this announcement 
of a new kingdom. Not the worldly kingdom of Israel, but the kingdom of heaven. This caused consternation, especially among the privileged classes, the Sadducees and Pharisees. What happened to the kingdom of Israel? Most of them one must have wondered. That announcement would appear to have upset the ruling classes' hope of a restored worldly kingdom of Israel. That's why those people came. You'll be wondering why did John the Baptist, why was he so harsh on the scribes and Pharisees who came? Because he knew they came there to spy. He knew they were not serious. They were not repentant. But the masses, representing the majority of the population, had no such problem. Many embraced John's message. That's why they came in numbers to be baptized. Many repented and were baptized. But as time went on, the ruling classes became increasingly worried what about the message? Repentance from sins which drew crowds. Remember they were very corrupt. The, Sad the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were hypocrites, as you will see as we continue to the series. And the messenger, a man who ate only locusts and wild honey, and who dressed unconventionally. I mean, that's not who they were expecting to make such an announcement. That wasn't supposed to be the message. The message should have been a call to arms for the army of the Messiah who is coming. And the messenger should, should have been one of high status. So you can understand why there's consternation among the ruling class. Praise the Lord. So the kingdom of darkness reacted. In this case, using the kingdom of the world, which... Many of you would have known from our broadcast that the kingdom of the world, all countries included, the subset of the kingdom of darkness, because the prince of this world is still operating and managing them. But except when the Lord decides that it's not so. Herod Antipas was the ruler of Galilee. Galilee was on you know part of Israel. You had Galilee, you had Judea, and all of them made up Israel at the time. Herod Antipas, rule of Galilee, imprisoned John the messenger over a very trivial matter. But that wasn't trivial, as you know. But sadly, the messenger, John, begins to doubt that Christ is the Messiah. Because he, too, had misunderstood the Messiah's mission. And I see Satan taunting him because a cowboy had been thrown, he's in prison, and he's wondering, why hasn't the Messiah come to my rescue if he's indeed the Messiah? Why am I still in prison? He ought to have come and rescued me. And then the march should begin to Jerusalem to remove the Romans. It's important to note a cowboy thrown even to the most faithful can create problems sometimes. But thank God he sent a message. In despair, 
he sent his disciples to tell ask Jesus more like I'm still here what's going on scripture please we read from Matthew chapter 11 verses 1 to 5 when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region John the Baptist who was in prison heard about all the things the Messiah was doing so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Praise the Lord. That message is for all of you today, hearing my voice or watching this broadcast. John asked in despair, are you the Messiah? We have been expecting, because if you are, sub subtext, I shouldn't be here. So he said, are you the Messiah? Or should we wait for somebody else? Yeah, John has seen the Spirit on the Lord Jesus and the voice from heaven saying that's my beloved son whom I'm well pleased so the fact that you and I have testimonies of what God has done in the past don't ever doubt God when situations or circumstances come that will challenge your faith and so let us take verse 6 to heart and tell him God blesses those who do not turn away because of don't turn away from God today because of your situation. He knows where you are. Are you in prison? Are you poor, so poor that you can't even eat today? Are you being persecuted? It doesn't matter. He knows. Just hang in there. Praise the Lord. Let's move to the next. The Lord puts events in context. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Scripture, please. Matthew chapter 11, verses 7 to 12. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet, even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Verse 12. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Praise the Lord. What kind of man did you go to the wilderness to see? Because the Lord Jesus Christ knew they were waiting for a king to restore Israel. Their prophecies had said so, but their timing had been wrong in terms of the expectation of the people there. So verse 8 said, oh, are you expecting a man dressed in expensive clothes? Because if there had been a man dressed in expensive clothes, riding a horse or with a chariot following him, 
Everybody would have right said, that's it now. The king has come. But he reminds them that John is the greatest. Simply because John had beheld the Messiah. Yet he's still the least person in the kingdom of heaven. Because those who are with God already, seeing God, are greater. But of all the prophets, they prophesied visions, but John saw. Praise the Lord. And then verse 12 is where we are going to focus very soon. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent, violent people have been attacking it. A lot of confusion in this verse. Based on teachings by well-meaning people, I believe. Shall we now go to explanation of Matthew chapter 11, verse 12? Shall we read the, from the New International Version, followed by the New Living Translation, followed by New King James Version, and followed by the Revised Standard Version? Please go ahead. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been reading it. This is from the New International Version. New Living Translation. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and violent people are attacking it. The New King James Version says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The New Revised Standard Version. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Praise the Lord. If you are following, early in my Christian growth, I was told, it means the violent taken by force are believers who go in taken by force in prayers in fasting you know the violent taken by force you have to be violent in the spirit i was told there are mainly two types of bible translations literal or word for word rendering or thought for thought then there's a subtext of the thought for thought which is the dynamic equivalence the dynamic equivalence of interpretation strikes optimal balance between literal translation and thought for thought translation I will explain Let us look at, here's a problem with word-for-word -word translation. It's not a problem really, but let's just try something. I want you, my hearer, try translating something from your native tongue into English or into another language. If you are very you know, versatile or conversant with two or three languages, try translating one from the other, word-for-word, word-for-word as it is. Many times it will flow. But sometimes it will not flow. So you have to check what is the meaning. I have streamed all these words. I have taken them word for word, word for word. 
and then you come up. If you're a fluent speaker of two or three languages, you will render the translation in the way that it makes the most sense, which is thought for thought. The Bible translators who are dotted word for word are right. Because it's a word translation, and they state it in the Bible they're translating. You will see there we use this is word, word for word. Other translators we say we did thought for thought. Others we say we strive for the optimal balance between thought for thought and literal translation. I don't want to go into the jargons of it, but I want to bring it to a point where you and I can get it. In biblical translation, you start, you look at the meaning of the word. Then you see how it fits into a phrase and the sentence. Then the paragraph and the chapter. And then that book of the Bible, whether it's the book of Job, you see how does this, does this word go off? Many times everything is okay, but sometimes you find those strange things. Then finally, how does it relate to the Bible? You have to check. If it doesn't fit into the overall book and then the Bible, there's a problem. It doesn't mean they're wrong. No, they translated literally, word for word. Sadly, many have started denominations and false religions on the basis of inaccurate biblical exegesis. That's biblical interpretation. So we're not going to read Matthew chapter 11, 12 again. Looking at the various translations. New International Version, please read. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been reading it. Praise the Lord. This is an example of dynamic translation. If you take this New International Version reading, then it doesn't make sense. People who have been teaching us that the violent taken by force as referring to the children of God. Because it's telling you that outside forces are the ones who are subjecting the kingdom of God to violence. And when you look at what happened before it, John the Baptist announced, where is he? In prison. Soon to be killed. What's happening to the Lord Jesus Christ? Being attacked from all sides. Think about that. And violent men who are reading it and were trying to draw away people away from the kingdom of heaven. Let's go to New Living Translation. Read, please. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Praise the Lord. Here it is a nuanced one. He's saying the masses are running into the kingdom of heaven. They're following John the Baptist. Okay? And violent people are what? Attacking it. This is an example of thought for thought translation, living translation. Let's go to a new King James Version. Please read. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That's the one we all know. Because years ago we were told, 
Only the King James Bible is the one. That's the only Bible. Question I want you to ask anybody making that assertion today is King James Bible, when was it? When did it come up first? 1611. So what happened? Does it mean the word of God didn't exist before 1611? Think about that. The fact that the only believers to, of the Protestant denominations took on that doesn't make it any more authoritative than others. But the New King James Version is an example of literal translation, word for word. And when it says they came over so far as violence and violence taken by force, how does it involve that Christians are the ones or believers are the ones who must take it by force? Where in the New Testament have we been taught that believers must be violent? Trying to say violent in the spirit is being smart by half. It is one being putting their own thoughts into the verse. It doesn't flow the context of what Christ was referring. John is in prison. The Pharisees and scribes are attacking. Everybody is looking for one thing or the other, attacking both John the Baptist and he himself. So he's trying to let people know this is what is going on. Which is why the thought for thought is the more accurate translation. Having said that, the New King James translation is good. But don't read into what was not there. That is the point I'm making. New Revised Standard Version, which is the same. Read it for context, please. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. And the violence taken by force. Praise the Lord. So... What did organized Christianity and those who are trying to get followers come to say? The stories have been put out. That only the King James Version is accurate. All the other ones have been mutilated or something. They're trying to introduce things. Please, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Biblical translators are very well educated people. Most of them have two, three degrees in theology and ancient languages. And they have no actual ground with anybody. The school of thought of literal translation will stay there. Those of thought for thought will stay there. At the end of the day, because the Bible, not the version you are holding, but the total composite of all is the word of God, including extant documents that are not there. Because the Bible didn't just fall from the skies. People sat down, translated them. People looked and agreed on what is revealed what is inspired and what is just for general knowledge so any human being trying to make an assertion that is not there is wrong so please versions of scriptures are important read as many as you can when you come into a point where there are some confusion in your mind you will get more explanation i needed to make this point it's important for biblical studies most of them often, everything is flowing. Both the literal and word for word are all going okay. But sometimes with the literal, you may have a problem, word for word. Then you need to check other translations to see whether you can make sense of it. If I have succeeded communicating this to you today by the grace of God, then this has been a worthwhile venture. There is a course in seminaries on biblical interpretation. We did an online course some time ago. But what I'm saying is, we don't have to go into all that. Just, first of all, let me make another point. Don't read the Bible because you want to find faults. 
because you want to bring it to your own point of view. No. Read the Bible because you love God. You want to know God more. If you don't, you will not have the understanding. Because the Bible is a spirit-inspired document. And the only way you can interpret it is through the Holy Spirit. So if God sees that you want to read it just because you want to make a point, you will never understand what he's saying. But if you are reading because you love God and you want to know more, oh, he will open the vistas of heaven. And you know even much more than anybody else around you, but for yourself, so that you can continue to grow in him. Praise the Lord. We're going to sing a song. Satisfied. And you, you and I must be satisfied with him. Because if we're not, we're in trouble. All my life, I had a longing for a drink from some clear spring. I was searching. I hoped would quench the burning of thirst that is within me. There was a hole, a thirst that needed to be quenched. Hallelujah. I found Jesus, whom my soul long so craved. Jesus satisfies my longings and he satisfies your own. Through his blood, I'm now saved. Praise the Lord. I was feeding on the horse around me, all the rubbish, till my strength was almost gone. You see, I'm of the flesh. Long my soul for something better. No matter what I had, I still hungered. Until I found Jesus. Hallelujah, I found him. Whom my soul long so craved. Jesus satisfies my longings and he should satisfy your own. Through his blood, I know I'm saved. And you are saved through his blood. Poor I was and I sought for riches. Something that would satisfy. But even the more I had, the less I was satisfied. But the dust gathered all around me and only mocked my soul's sad cry. Because there was hollowness, emptiness. Hallelujah, I found Jesus. Whom my soul long so craved. Jesus satisfies my longings. Through his blood, I'm now saved. Jesus is my well of water, ever springing, bread of life so rich and free, untold wealth that never fell it. He's my redeemer, today, tomorrow, and forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Our Father and our God, thank you for today. Bless your people. Meet them at their points of need. Open their eyes to read your word with love and joy. And as they do, Lord, give them understanding and wisdom beyond their years. Father, I pray that you will be there for them, that your presence will never depart from them. You will help them and us more to continue to walk in the love of Christ. 
in the fear of God, in the comfort that the Holy Spirit is with us and guiding our every step. Bless every home, Lord. No matter what the curveballs the enemy has thrown to all of us, Father, help us to navigate. Help us to pass through to the other side. That none will be like them as who love the world and fell by the wayside. And Lord, as this series continues, let them understand that their kingdoms and that the kingdom of heaven is being opposed by the kingdom of the world. And therefore, they must cling to Christ for them to survive. Blessings, glory, O Lord, and honor are all yours. Thank you, Father God, for your inspiration and grace. In Jesus' name, Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. By His grace, we'll continue the series next Sunday. Continue to pray for us as we pray for you.